I'm Josh Arnold. And I'm Casey Cordero. And this is Throttle On, the podcast about all things ATV, UTV, and off-road. Today on the show, we are going to take a deep dive into the 2020 Polaris models that they released in the last couple of days, including the all-new Razor Pro XP. And we're going to talk about another new release of theirs, which is a 55-inch width ATV. Also today, we have the man himself, Mr. Rick Sosby, on the program. So sit back, relax, keep your eyes on the road, and don't worry, we are professionals. First up, let's welcome Rick. Hey, what's up, hero? (laughs) It's good to have you back. Yeah, man. Good to be here. We love having you on the program. It sounds so official, a program. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's dive in. And just to kind of get us started, it's been a huge week as far as the industry goes because Polaris has come out with their 2020 models. They're more or less, I believe, the last ones to release their models, or the majority of their models at least. And there were quite a few, or at least a couple, surprises to this year's release. We want to start maybe on the the Razor Pro XP. Yeah. And there's been a lot of hype on this thing. I mean, it it is as though we have reinvented the wheel this year with the reaction of the public and really the media, too, has played into this. Uh, so much hype over this Pro XP. But it's a new machine, and it's certainly a departure from all the Razors before it. So, uh, Case, you want to kind of jump into... More or less, let's run down the specs or the the overall. Let's get the overalls of the machine. Yeah, it's it's funny you say. You know, the Polaris over the years has just built out. You know, such a diverse Razor lineup. Um, and and I mean, we could say that for their Ranger and Sportsman and basically all their lineups too. But especially the Razor. I mean, they've kind of dictated where um, you know other manufacturers are are putting emphasis into and what sells the best and and that kind of stuff over the years. So. Um, you know, especially last year when they released the Turbo S, that really uh, completed—I wouldn't, maybe not completed—is the right word, but it really rounded out their lineup, uh, really in a complete way because they had a 72-inch and everything. So we were wondering this year what they would do, and um, it was kind of time for them, I guess, uh, to make some adjustments on on existing models and and come out with this new. Uh, Pro XP that that is not an existing model in any way. I mean, it's um, you know from from all the specs it's, and it's it, quote new from the ground up. Yeah, unquote. it is. It's truly a, uh, it's truly an all new model. I mean, they started uh, with what what they say is a one piece chassis. You know, no longer is it um, you know bolted together. They've changed uh, in the middle. That is, um, they've changed the way that they actually make the chassis and and uh, you know at their factories and stuff so uh, it's pretty cool to see them um, progress and you know they started uh, with this pro xp they've got three different variations of it but they're all based off of a 64 inch wide um, chassis um, and stuff so uh, it's you know people were expecting maybe a little bit more uh, you know and, and some different widths and maybe variations of this but at the same time um you know it's it's neat to see them go after quite possibly the the biggest sport segment um 
of the sport side-by-side um, world, you know, um, with the 64-inch model. So I think it'll be a good start. Like I said, it's 64 inches wide. Um, it's got essentially, um, you know, a reworked powertrain um, layout. And the engine now puts out 181 horsepower um, instead of the 168. So they uh, they did this a couple different ways. They changed up some motor mods, that kind of stuff that uh, we'll get into and everything. But, um, you know, the other significant part of, um, you know, the chassis and, and how this all integrates together is it's got a 96-inch wheelbase, um, which I believe the last one me. was, it was 91 that, that's, or 88. No, it's, it's 90. The last one is 90. So they've okay. come up six inches. So there you go. I mean, we've, all three of us have driven um, countless, you know, um, yeah. XB1000 based chassis, right? So, you know, that um, compared to say like a, a Maverick X3 or something that's got, um, you know, over a hundred inch wheelbase, um, there's definitely, there was something in there to where we wanted them to uh, to maybe expand it and, and see what they could come up with on that. So that's kind of a, a welcome change, um, you know, with it. Uh, they got a lot of ground clearance at 14 and a half inches. They've got over 20 inches of usable wheel travel, which we'll get into as well on this yeah, chassis. Yeah, we'll have and, to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, a couple different shock packages, um, you know, new drive system. And um, I think one of the biggest things, too, is the interior. And uh, maybe that's, I don't, yeah, maybe that's the second thing we should talk about. But let's get into the styling. You know, Rick, what do you think of the uh, the outside just in general? You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me um, that, that a company can come up with a design that uh, I don't really care for in the beginning. I mean, it, it, it's, but what's funny is the longer you look at it, and the initial impression is it kind of looks familiar, uh, as in kind of looks like other machines in the industry. But um, I know that with time, you'll grow to love it. I mean, like last year's model or when the dynamics come out, they had that, it was just a, a little a little subtle difference that uh, I wasn't sure that I'd like. But you know, I, I think the more that I see this vehicle, immediately I think it's a single seater. I mean, that that's just something that, I, that comes in yeah. my head automatically. You, you just yeah. look like it's so narrow that it could be only one seat. And it took me a few minutes of digging around in photos to see the extra seat to make myself believe it. But, um, you know, styling is, it, it, it's in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I know that some people get hung up on the way a machine looks, but the looks of a machine is not what makes it what it is. Uh, yeah. Performance, reliability, things like that actually uh, come along and make it, um, make it more of what it is, you know. Uh, so I, I, I'm on the fence. So. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And and this one was designed. Um, it kind of reminds me too. I mean, we're we're used to seeing the Yamaha, the YXZ1000R, and how it's got that real more aggressive front fascia and stuff on it. And um, this one kind of has that. I mean, they used some of those techniques that Yamaha has employed with with good sight lines and that kind of stuff, and and um, you know integrated it into a razor. So it's it's neat to see that. I haven't sat in it yet, so I don't I don't know um, exactly how it plays out, but. Um, from the pictures, man, it looks awesome with the, with you know that in that regard of um, like sight lines and being able to see out of the vehicle too. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It it reminds me of an F one seventeen, specifically the the Stealth Fighter. Sure. But it, it's like it's got angled lines to it. 
Right. Uh, there's not a whole lot around, I guess. Like, the body has just angles. Right, And right, that reminds yeah. me of that aircraft. And, of course, it's it's also the accent lighting or the, I forget what they call it, the driving lights, the LEDs, also yeah. plays into that angle approach. But I'm kind of like you. I, it's like part of me, it kind of looks cool. Part of me is not 100% sold. I'm sure over time, it's like this is what it is. So um, it will begin to look more, quote, cool for me. Absolutely. It's just yeah. different. You know, it's just different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it has sleek. There's not a lot of curves. It's just flat, sleek yeah. lines. Uh, very uh, angular design, I guess. Angular. Uh, Good call. My, from my uh, limited expertise in designing anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it, 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 it has a look, you know. I mean, and obviously people are swooning over it. If you read yeah. and look through comments and... Um, you know, yet yeah, it, it. I've seen comments both ways. I've heard it's it's absolutely hideous. To right. it's the best thing since, you know, sliced bread. Oh, so yeah. at the end, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's like it probably lands somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it it definitely evokes emotion when you look at it. Oh, absolutely. It yeah. does. Like, it, can I afford it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we'll get to that. There's been those comments too, absolutely. Because yeah. at this point, I'm out of kidneys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I think um, that's a great yeah way to put it. Is it's it's um, yeah everybody's got their own um, style, obviously, and stuff. I mean, this one, I think for me too, this this one feels like it's a little bit more functional um, with the styling too. I mean, we look at the doors. Um, you know, at least, yes, they still put cutouts in them, but at least they put the cutouts on the right side this time, you know? <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, <laughs> so that the rocks at least will have to do a backhanded U-turn into you instead of uh, actually just flying right <laughs> into you, you know? Yeah. You know, have to have some of those Australian rocks, you know? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do a, do a little bit of boomerang rock. Boomerang you. style, yeah, there you go, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, no, all joking aside, I mean, the... the um, you know the doors are uh, look very functional in that regard, and then you know you get back to the uh, to the backside uh, of the vehicle, and I mean, shoot, you got a full bed now that uh, that'll actually hold a 30-inch spare tire, and and the way that they design that to where the tire sits actually up, um, you know, they've got grooves on the on the topper ridges of the um, sides of the bed so that the tire sits up on there, and then wow. you still have bed space underneath. Um, that's pretty cool. I mean, it reminds me of a talent on it, honestly, um, just because you they have a real low lip on the outside, sure, at the yeah. very back. But uh, I mean, otherwise, you know, players, you know, and and I, I'll give them credit where, where credit is due, but they they definitely they have a a lot of little functionality traits with how they design things. Um, and I think a lot of it stems from the fact that they, you know, they do a lot of testing in their in the environment that their customers are going to so they're able to really dial in you know certain aspects of a vehicle that um, are tailor-made to you know working well i guess um in, in sure. that specific environment but um you know little things like that are uh, are nice touches especially on a on a new vehicle i guess right so. gotta give them credit they get into the details and yeah. there's a lot of details that aren't in the press releases and on our are not on their website that I found impressive that they thought through it. Um, things like how the 
the uh, CVT cover where the seal is, so you can't put it on there wrong. And believe right. me, if anyone can put it on there wrong, I would accomplish that. Um, right. You know, but but those little things, and frankly, the main center design of the razor has not changed since since it was first released in late 07 as an 08 model. I mean, they've they've updated the look, but overall, the look has remained at its core the same, yeah. even through the Razor S. I mean, they they continue to evolve it a little bit, but at its core, it was the same. And this is a, a it was time to do a complete like design change. Sure. The time, you know, at this point, it's time. You're talking about what 13 years. Yeah, and the industry during that time has pushed forward. I mean, you've seen vehicles, like we said, the the YXE or the X3 or the Talon. I mean, all these guys, they're 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 big challengers, you know, to to the Razor lineup that's been at the top for a long time, and um, they're eating away a little bit at the time. And and uh, you know, Polaris doesn't want to see that happen anymore. So they're they're functional updates, um, especially with this one, because it looks like. Um, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like this pro model, whatever is the, is the one that they're going to continue now, um, throughout the year. So they're going to, they're going to try and um, build this out, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it, it specifically says this is the first of the new generation Yeah. in the, in right. the, in the verbiage in the marketing fluff that you read. That's what it says. Yeah, so right. clearly this is the, you know, this is the new direction, if you want to call it that. You know, I, I also thought buried in all the other information about the 2020 models, I wasn't, at first I was very confused as to what this meant overall for the Razor lineup. And it doesn't change any of the other Razor lineup. This is its own thing. And of course it is now the flagship model. Right. Or right. models you know, that, uh, that has the biggest and the best and the baddest and the strongest and the, this is the latest and greatest. Sure. But it doesn't change. Like there are no changes other than updated graphics and colors to the rest of the Razor lineup. Right. All the way down to the 570. It's the same as last year. They spent all their money developing this new one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Heck yeah. It is, you know, if we think about it, they, they have been, uh, you know, Polaris has been on the gas forever. And, and there was a photo that I shared the other day. I was standing in the middle of the uh, Amicola River uh, pitching a, uh, what they call a, I hope I pronounce it right, a Watusi dry fly. And um, hooked me a little rainbow trout. And then all of a sudden, all of this press starts coming through, you know, or you you do anything on the razor? This new razor's coming, blah blah blah. And, and I'm like, you know what? I, it's 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 no surprise anymore. That's who I think what get, catches people off guard is that if you don't go to like we went to the Wyoming facility and saw all their development that's going on from little stuff like sound testing to, I mean, they got instant prototyping machines in there where they can produce a plastic part that looks just like an engine part, you know and um, nobody sees all that stuff, but these people are consistently working on developing the next big thing. And, um, and honestly, when, when the chatter started coming through via text, it's like, well, it's, you kind of expect them to. And I kind of wonder where you're going to get to that brick wall where they're like, well, what, what do we really do now? 
I mean, uh, how can we impress our consumer now? And and um, individualizing people's riding styles and people's riding areas and people's use of the machine, uh, it's been done, you know. Uh, but you look at this new um, Pro XP, and, and immediately I, I, I watch some of the videos just like everybody else, and you see things like this freaking insanely uh, um, ingenuitive tilt steering they've got. You know, you yes. can. You can Pull the yes. steering out, yeah. you can pull the steering down. I mean, it, it not only adjusts up and down and 25 degrees or whatever it is, but you can pull it out to you just like a modern car steering wheel. And then you got controls in the freaking steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. That's a wow factor. The controls yeah. in the steering wheel are a wow factor. Yeah. yeah. That attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we're in an age where you can't, you, you shouldn't use your cell phone while you're driving down the road, texting and driving, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and here in Georgia, it's a... There's a hands-free law. It's a, a nice little fine if you get caught driving and, and holding your phone, simply holding it, period. Um, but now you got companies like Polaris that are integrating these things uh, to control um, while remaining in control. You know, you, you got yeah. uh, buttons on the wheels. and uh, So they're always on the gas. They're always looking at, at uh, new ways of doing stuff. I mean, who'd ever thought they had a suspension system that would run itself? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, automotives have had that for a while. There have been some high-end sports cars that do that. But we're talking about off-road guys, and I'm not trying to, to, to downplay the value of all us studs out there in our off-road vehicles, but this is serious freaking advancement. Will a, will a consumer realize what they're getting? Eh, maybe not until they pay for it, and they know it was there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. For the most part, it's, it's like it's freaking futuristic stuff. That's it, and we're all spending all this money to to ride and, and drive these things and have them for our families, and yet we're driving them out in these environments that are just beating them to crap, you know, and stuff. Yeah. And you've got I mean, like really, they're not they're they're made to withstand it, obviously now, but um, at the yeah. same time, I mean, you know, I'm I, we're regularly all hitting rocks that are a foot wide, and I mean, shoot, these things have enough ground clearance, and the wheels are big enough, and the everything's strong enough now to withstand this. You know, it's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, whoever thought, man. I remember the first time I got in a Razor 900 uh, 9 XP or whatever. Some people give me crap because I call out the whole name, you know. Some some dude commented because I called it a, a, a Razor Dynamics XP 1000. He's like, it's not a 1000, it's an XP. Who cares, dude? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the first time, I, first time I hit a like a serious freaking ditch, I, I'll never forget it. Man, we really plowed this freaking wash, and I thought, God, this is going to kill us both. But I, there was no time to really react, and that thing sailed across that ditch like it was not even there. And I thought, man, we have reached a pinnacle. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And because uh, now I can correct my mistakes, and I don't have to tell nobody about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, that was cool. I meant to do that. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so now you can get those things. I mean, they're they're pretty rare actually. Um as far as getting them on the the for sale market, at least from what we've seen out on the the West Coast, yeah. but man, um they're great vehicles still, you know. So when we're talking about 22,000 here as a base price or 23, I can't remember the exact price here. I have to look it up, but um yeah, it, there's a there's a stark contrast, but at the same time, like we were talking about, the uh, the progression has been huge, you know, and especially when we look at this Pro XP. I mean, I, I, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about the interior of this thing too, because 
you know, in, in reviews and this kind of stuff, I mean, I've kind of I've been harping on the Polaris um, Razor lineup with their seat sliders and, and just seats in you general. Have been. And, yeah, and, 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 like and it's interior. been justified. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, some of it's some of it's fine, but there's 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 things that are kind of getting long in the tooth. You know, I mean, the seat slider is, is kind of the same design as as the the XB nine hundred that you're talking about. You know, and what's that eight years? You know, type of thing. Yeah, and it yeah. still gets full of sand and it won't slide and it's really annoying and you know whatever. So, um, it's really cool now. I can say okay, so the the Pro XP, you know, really now takes it to the next generation where the seat slider is now on wheels so you don't have to worry about that you know and they've got this really it's a kind of a crazy looking seat that at first glance um it just looks like it's got a bunch of pads everywhere but at the same time um those pads once you look at it closer they look like they're they're very very functional you know and they they obviously they direct air down and they're made um to do that but man i i you know, we're getting to a point too where I don't even know if you need an extra seat. And then now this comes with a six point harness and the top two models and like all this yep. stuff, you know? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're in the, in the aftermarket accessory world. I've got to look at these things and go, you know, we, we, we know we can still make money, but the, the deal is um, they're starting to make the interiors of these things so good that, that, I mean, why would you pull them out? You know, I, I know racers that pull out, uh, brand new Can-Am Maverick X3 uh, retractable seat belts. Mm-hmm. Maybe they love the, you know, they're giving some love to the company that sponsors them as far as their harnesses go and stuff. But um, with the engineering that goes into these belts, you got to know that they're they're capable of handling anything that the machine can throw at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the seats are the same way. You you got that, all the extra bolstering, and you look at the seats in this new. Uh, Pro XP, and it's like, wow, it, they really worked on the comfort level in the seats, and uh, it's those simple things, man. People, people, uh, I don't know, I don't know if they look deep enough, but I, I guess because we've been in the industry for for such a long time that we see all of these nice integrations. Uh, but if you really think about it, how long has Polaris worked to develop that? You know, how long did it take them to get it to where they felt comfortable um, that it was going to do, like you said, pull more air uh, across the body and and protect you better, give you better support for your legs and your sides. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've done some incredible stuff. That's for sure. You have to give them credit for, for their advancements. Yeah. And that tells me, you know, too, that. I mean, Polaris obviously sells very well. Um, their entire Razor lineup does, but um, it, it also kind of tells me that their their engineers and the people who are testing them, um, you know, when these products are first in the development stage, I mean, they're they're kind of like us. They're enthusiasts, you know, and they want to see these changes, and they they're trying to push themselves to make a better vehicle. And I think the the Pro XP shows that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Stuff, so. It's a neat, uh, it's a neat deal. And, and too, I was thinking about that steering wheel, you know. And you were talking about the accessory manufacturers. I mean, there's some amazing steering wheels um, from, you know, the likes of like Grant and and all these companies that have been making steering wheels for a really long time. And now, you know, with this integration and stuff with the buttons, I mean, you really don't even need to put an extra steering wheel or, or you know a new modified steering wheel on the Pro right. XP. And you really. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you probably can't um, to some extent because it's got controls. I bet there. you can't. Yeah. yeah. So you know, 
Yeah, exactly. Unless there's a, you know, I'm sure somebody will figure it out how they can, you know, integrate the, uh, the, the switches in there or something, you know, for it. But, uh, I mean, just cool. You know, like you said, it's centered around the driver. I mean, between the, uh, the, the banks of switches now, I mean, what is there like 10 switch bank, um, you know, cutouts in the dash. Yeah. Some crazy thing. And then you've got obviously ride command, which is updated. Um, and all your controls, you know, right, uh, right there on your steering wheel and stuff. So, the entire cab, whether we're talking about the seats or the general layout um, and stuff, it just all really uh, combines to uh, to just be a very driver-centric um, vehicle. And um, the other thing, too, I was going to ask you guys is, did you see the uh, the new um, grab handle for the passenger side? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just thinking about that same thing. Yeah. When you started mentioning that, I thought, God, look at that thing. I'm looking at photos of it now. And- yeah. <laughs> And it's like, God, they, they from the T handle that rattled like crazy most of the time till the next yep. year, they put some kind of UHM bushings in there or whatever to where it is now. I mean, you really, it's like, it's like sitting in a freaking Ferris wheel seat. I mean, you got yeah. a big bar, you know, so <laughs> put it, it down great. and go. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I think, um, yeah, they've definitely, uh, they definitely made some big improvements, and, and um, you know, just the entire vehicle is is obviously changed. Uh, I am so curious personally too. I mean, we've we've driven the X3s. Um, you know, we know that they're they're the suspension can be um, you know greatly improved um, through the whoops compared to like a Razor and and just the big big bumps and that kind of stuff. And it's it's a testament also to Can Am. I mean, they've done really well. Obviously, they're they're selling like crazy. Um, you know, pretty much everywhere and stuff, and especially in the desert locations and everything. So, it'll uh, it'll be fun to see what um, you know what people kind of gravitate towards when this Pro XP is released. I'm sure it'll be at dealers here really quick if if it already isn't um, and stuff. So, yeah, it'll be fun to see yeah. uh, see what everybody does. So the other thing, uh, like we mentioned before, with the Pro XP is that it's got three different trim levels. So they basically have a a Pro XP base model, which retails for $22,999, so $23,000. they have got a Pro XP premium model, which is $24,499, so $1,500 more. Um, and then they have this Pro XP Ultimate. And this is the one that's got uh, the Dynamics um, active suspension system with Fox Live Elf shocks. It's got Ride Command. It's got the Rockford Fosgate Audio. And this one retails for $28,499. So it's $4,000 more than the premium model. So $28,500. I mean, um, compared to like Turbo S's and that kind of stuff, I mean, we're, we're looking, you know, this is the same, right in the same ballpark um, here. And it, it gives you a good variation. So I guess that's a good from a consumer standpoint. But I mean, with a, with a $23,000, thousand base price um it's not cheap let's put it that way right um, yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know uh and and, and and you know and honestly you wouldn't expect it with with the type of freaking ingenuity they got going on just from looking at this thing you, you wouldn't really expect it to be cheap i mean it's that's that's premium stuff man and yep um and, and and on the flip side of that it it, it is expensive when you when you think about it people make this comparison all the time to you know, owning a, a, a Jeep or, or a, a car that you can drive off road or a truck you can drive off road or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? If people wanted a Jeep, they'd buy a Jeep, and, and it's and 
you know, uh, Polaris doesn't hold the majority of the freaking market share for a reason. I mean, for no reason. They they build stuff that people want to be in, and obviously they want to be in a Polaris Razor or whatever, you know, a little bit more than uh, than a Jeep. So uh, good for them. I mean, the pricing is, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we get to ride them as much as we want and not have to pay for them. So that's it. That is so, that is the truth, or else we couldn't ride very many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. we had to buy every single one of them to do reviews on, it would not be very cost effective. Um, for yeah, us, so. um, I, I wouldn't, yeah, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, I, I, read, um, I read somewhere else too that the Premium and the Ultimate are going to be the only ones released for the first, uh, basically until January 2020. Six months, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And the base model will be released in January uh, 2020. So that was that was kind of interesting. I mean, I, I get it. They're, they're trying to, uh, you know, obviously load up the features and get everybody into the um into the premium models um well premium and ultimate models i should say uh, but i still like having a base you know a base model in there too just to uh just to round out because there's there's people there that will appreciate you know everything that the interior um has in it you know the changes um you know and just the overall styling of the vehicle but they don't care about dynamics or or ride command and that kind of stuff because they kind of want to make it their own. So they're fine with taking that base model. Um, so I guess they're just going to have to wait a little bit longer, but it's okay. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to play the devil's advocate. Maybe they, uh, maybe Polaris says, well, you know, if we if we don't sell all these high dollar brands first, people might go for the base model first. This is um, true. You know, no, it's, I, it's a marketing strategy. It's yeah, definitely yeah. a sales strategy. Yeah. What is it? Uh, our daily driver SUV is right around $24,000. Right. And, yeah. you know, that's a vehicle that by the time it's done will go 200,000, 300,000 miles, I would imagine. Not with us, but with somebody. Yeah. And and here we are looking at a $28,500 off-road vehicle that, despite what people say, is still, it's a toy. Right, when it comes right. down to it, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> you look at a Ranger or a, a, a UTV type side by side, uh, there are tons of people that use those to make a living, but these razors and, and those class of side by sides, it's a toy unless you actually race with it and make money with it. Sure. Did you say that you could actually make money with it? <laughs> Supposedly that's true. <laughs> Woo, so I think I have we been may under the friggin' bridge for too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true for what a handful of maybe ten people in the industry. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe ten. Yeah. I like that. I'm I'm sensing three, three Razor Pro XPs and uh, three of us on some wide open desert area. That's what that's I'm right. thinking. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's what I feel in my heart. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a shootout that's true. In, in the old shootout. Ditch corral. Yes. Good call on the music, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll dig that music up and see that's if we right. can get the license to use it. Oh, <laughs> uh, one of the coolest things too that we didn't mention on the steering wheel is we, we mentioned the buttons, but the red button. Um, have you guys seen that on there? No. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. The the red button is if there's like a 
a huge out of G out or whatever coming up, you know, and stuff, and you need the suspension to just automatically go to full hard um, compression, you can literally push the red button and it immediately stiffens up <laughs> into its full hard setting so that you oh, don't wow. hit something as hard, you know, and so obviously wow. that was a bad way to describe it, but he just, <laughs> anyways, doesn't compress as much basically, um, you know, and stuff. So yeah, resist, resist bottoming. So, so they have a literal, Oh crap button. It is, yes. literally. Yeah, passengers yeah. got yeah. their own handle, and then the driver's got their own button now. Wow. That is insane, man. Yeah. That is pretty insane. I, I have to say, like, in one aspect, that is phenomenally cool, and the other aspect is the person driving in that moment has to remember, i got to push that button. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that's got to happen in, you know half a second oh, yeah. when you see it coming that's right. i i i question how many people are going to instinctively be hitting that button i'd rather have like a radar system on the car i mean we are talking technology that looks at what's in front of me and goes okay we need to stiffen the shocks because he's driving again right <laughs> <laughs> yeah they got a weight sensor in the seat and they're like, yeah, oh, they're God, big boys right. in here again We're that's right this thing up. Oh my god! So it'll be. I can't wait to try the button though. I, that's yeah. if nothing else, it's a super cool factor. Yeah. Right. Um, you know. That's it. Oh my gosh. Well, there's one thing that we didn't that we didn't talk about, and we ought to do it real quick, and then we need to move on because we have two other, you know, families and machines to talk about, and we'll wrap up the razor. Let's talk about usable travel. This is a a measuring stick that Polaris threw out last year as opposed to just using the term travel, which everyone else in the industry uses. And our own in-house expert, Mr. Casey, I thought it would be important for you to kind of talk about why Polaris included that and specifically talking about, you know, Can-Am and the Maverick of what the difference is between this travel and usable travel number. Yeah. I like how you called them out there. Um, no, it's, oh, I'll call them out. No, it's I perfect. have no problem. I mean, yeah, it stems from the Maverick, the the X3, and and really all vehicles um, that that when when a suspension system is fully compressed, um, you know the, the way that the chassis is designed. If 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 it fully compresses and the bottom of the chassis actually hits the ground, um, you know there's there's no more usable travel in there essentially is what they're saying so um the way that i would describe is it at full bump which means obviously the suspension is fully compressed there is still usable space in between your skid plate and the ground and that um, is basically what polaris is saying is usable travel it might be just an inch or so you know of extra ground clearance but um it just means that you have a little bit of extra clearance between um, the bottom of the cage and the uh, the ground essentially and the way that they measure it is that they take um you know they, they basically compress the travel all the way down um and then they take a measuring stick from the from the bottom of the tire to the bottom of the uh, bottom of the chassis and that's how they uh they measure the the amount of usable travel um or sorry leftover usable travel in there so nice. Uh, does that make sense? Sort of. I don't know. Like it sort of makes sense. It's more yeah. of a question of why, like just from a standpoint of, again, I don't come from an off-road racing background. Yeah. I'm it, just, I'm just a trail guy. 
yeah. who likes to go fast sometimes. So, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand why you would design a suspension that when you bottom the shocks out, you're bottoming the entire vehicle out. Like yeah. I, I don't understand why, why you would do that. Like I would think you would have a stop, a gap between full compression and the ground with the bottom of the car. That's and you know. You, that's what they're getting at is that they are engineering a chassis that does have space in between, uh, you know, at full bump, they have space in between the bottom of the chassis and the ground. Um, and, and two, where it really comes into, you know, a, a situation, um, just to give you an example, is like if you're if you're riding on a two track trail and, and you're literally riding the, the trail is in the, it has ruts in it and you're riding through the ruts and it's got a four or five or six inch, um, you know, uh, heap or hump in the middle of the trail, um, you know, that basically takes away from, from your, your ground clearance, right? But your wheels are stuck in the middle or stuck in the ruts. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to hit in that cause it doesn't have, um, that much, uh, ground clearance when the suspension is fully compressed. If the hump in the middle is six inches, but you know, if you're going down the trail and, and you've got a, a rock in the middle of the trail or something, then you know, it's, it just so happens that that rock is placed right at a compression zone for the, uh, you know, for the, the shocks or whatever, then, you know, the chances of you compressing literally the chassis onto that rock when you hit that bump is not as high when you have a properly engineered um, suspension system and, and, and chassis, I guess. Um, and yeah. Stuff. So you still have space. Whereas like a Can-Am, because since we're calling them out here, the X3 chassis, at full c suspension um, compression, it literally touches the ground. So, you know, the chances of you compressing the travel, um, you know, and hitting that rock and, and, you know, whatever, blistering the rock or, you know, hurting the chassis or denting the chassis and stuff is, um, is that it's just, it's a higher probability to that extent. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes so sense. Yeah, at one, Yeah, they're taking a stab a little bit because they're saying that their chassis is better engineered um, let's be honest with that one. And then they're also saying that, you know, they, uh, they have just better geometry and suspension travel numbers essentially. So, right. Rick, you might have some insight. Like, yeah, you could probably explain it clearer than that. No, that was great, dude. I, okay. It absolutely made sense. And it actually opened uh, my eyes to, you know, something that I thought I understood, uh, completely, but it, it really does. It really does make sense. You, you've got a, leftover ground clearance i mean that that yes when you think about it that way it's i mean you know you're not grinding your seat on the ground when your shocks are fully compressed so i mean anybody would realize that that's good you know? yeah 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 that's yeah and if you hit a rut or a or a, a root or a rock or whatever you know and and just after your suspension fully compresses you know that it, it travels all the way up your spine like it sucks oh absolutely you know, yep. stuff so um, having that little that extra two inches or, or whatever it is uh, once when the uh, travel is fully compressed I mean it, it's a like you said the leftover um, is gonna be really good for you yeah so, absolutely yeah so, and I like leftovers you know in the next morning oh so. my gosh me too man yeah <laughs> <laughs> I agree <Absolutely>. totally <laughs> sometimes some things are just better the next day yeah right right <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's wrap up. Let's wrap up the the Razor Pro XP. I keep wanting to say XP Pro, but clearly right, right. it's Pro XP, right? <laughs> because because this is 
professional level in every respect, mm -hmm. according to the marketing materials. Sure. So, all right. First of all, is the hype worth it? What do we think? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know about the hype. It depends on who's doing the hype. You know, I mean, if it was Jerry Clower doing the hype, it would be funny, <laughs> but I don't know if I'd believe it. So, you know, it, it's it's worthy of, of the majority of the praise that it's getting just because from a technical standpoint, I understand uh, even more now having toured their facility just a couple of weeks ago, um, how much work and thought goes into developing some of the features on the machine. So um, I haven't driven one. I can't tell you if it's great. I've heard people, uh, influencers go nuts over it, you know, take my money, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know if that's just heat of the moment stuff because uh, one day of riding does not prove that the vehicle is going to be completely <laughs> yes. worthy. Yes. Uh, and, and what does worry me is that you have a lot more computer-controlled devices. So what happens if your battery gets low or your engine starts heating up, your stator's not putting out enough, or some little electrical glitch comes in, all of a sudden you don't even have a steering wheel. You know, I mean, it, you, you got to give them praise for what they've done because they have created some freaking amazing add-ons. But uh, I, approach it, I approach it very cautiously. Uh, I want to see it six months to a year after they've got them in the market. What's breaking? What, what's tearing up? You know, are they still having electrical issues that have quite honestly plagued that company for, for a while? Yep. So uh, yeah. it, it remains to be seen for me. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think uh, there's a, the, the hype, like you said, um, you know, in, in many ways, uh, yes, this thing does merit, um, you know, some hype just because there's some, some great new industry first features and, a lot of technology built into it, but um, you know what the influencers and that kind of stuff don't don't remember is that there's or at least they're not saying it right then, obviously. But there's some great other machines on the market right now, you know, and stuff. And and um, I think the the Pro XB is a great evolution in the Razor lineup, um, you know. But time will tell. Uh, just like you mentioned on you know maintenance and that kind of stuff and longevity of parts, but you know also whether this thing um, you know is is truly that much better than every other machine so if you're going out and, and looking at them and, and wanting to buy one and that kind of stuff you know it still takes merit to, to look at the entire lineup from different manufacturers and see what's out there yep. and what best fits your style absolutely i'll just weigh in that both of what you all said is brilliant and <laughs> i i think time will tell hype is an interesting thing and when you're in those those moments, I mean, I, I'm guilty of that too. When you get to see something brand new that no one else has seen, and it does have tons of new features and a new approach in many cases, there's, a, there's that whole mentality of, well, this is the greatest thing ever. But, you know, all these rides we go on, particularly on launches, where we get to, to drive the latest machine from a company that's in a controlled environment. Yep. And you know, it's not until we get one at the house and you use it on an adventure or on a trail ride and you use it multiple times that those little things, both good and bad tend to pop out. <laughs> why does this door have a hole in it? Or uh, right. that's my favorite. Right. Or, or why does this load deck in the back not have a lip? Yeah. 
to where I have to secure things with tie downs, you know, uh, just to go from here to there or my ice chest is in the middle of the trail, like stuff like that. And so I, I definitely think it's yet to be seen. I think there's tons of cool things. I think too, Rick, you're, you're just focused on the technology part of it of, yeah, you know, in a year from now, are all those electronics going to be to the same level as they were when you bought it off the showroom floor? So it'll be interesting to see. Okay, news new segment as we wrap up the razor. So we're giving it a each person thumbs up, thumbs down. I'll start off. I give it a thumbs right in the middle <laughs> until yeah. until we have a chance to drive it. Uh, you know, most of me is like thumbs up because it looks cool overall. It's growing on me. It's got a lot of cool stuff on it. That's the thumbs up. But it thumbs in the middle until I get to drive it. Sure, and I think we're all. I think I think from our conversations, uh, at least from my my perspective, I don't want to say everybody, but uh, I think I'm probably right on the fence as well. I mean, I, I want to drive it to see how it fits me. Every machine is different. Every machine is going to fit a consumer differently, mm-hmm. um, and that's why you see a lot of manufacturers trying to build something very neutral so that everybody can like it. But unfortunately, <laughs> not everybody likes it. We we see that every time we go to a press event. There's there's going to be guys that that will absolutely uh drop their wallet on the ground and drive off in the machine but and then there's guys that just can't stand it you know i mean um i'm kind of on the fence too i I, i'm in the middle i think the technology is insane uh it blows my mind the type of things they can do nowadays but um until i get to ride it for myself feel how the power works feel if i'm you know make sure i'm comfortable in the machine um i'm gonna ride the fence i mean that's just, uh, uh, I think they probably produced a great piece of equipment. But having not driven it, I'm not going to make the assumption that I would like it. And I'm just going to back up I'll everything like that you guys said. I'm going to be right in the middle. <laughs> so I don't need to say yeah. anymore. <laughs> so what we're saying is, just in, in summary, is we really should have been able to drive it. And uh, until we do... We're all on the fence. Sure. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, Brand Amp, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Why hey, weren't we the there? <laughs> Why weren't we there? <laughs> yeah. I'm just an old fat I'll, I'll, guy, but I still have feelings, people. Oh, Ricky can drive. <laughs> you and this fat thing, I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> throw you in the category. But, oh, um, man. Okay. Now, they released a couple of other, quote, new things. And let's jump into the Sportsman XP1000S and the Scrambler XP1000S. Oh, yeah. Switching Because the this is really, yeah, I, and I'm a quad guy. I continue to be a quad guy. I would call it groundbreaking from the standpoint that Polaris decided in a boardroom somewhere or in a product planning meeting, we're going to make an ATV a production ATV with long travel, and we're going to make it 55 inches wide. Hmm. Which, you know, in laws around the country, it talks about an ATV is considered something like 48, 48 inches in width or less. Yep. Um, that's a whole other discussion of why side-by-sides had to require time to change laws. But whatever. So they've come out with a 55-inch wide Utility ATV and a 
and a sport utility ATV in these two versions, and they're calling them the S versions of, of a sportsman or a scrambler. And, uh, you know, they've, so it's 55 inches wide, has 89 horsepower engine, same as the 48 inch wide ones, same engine. Of course, it has long travel suspension. So like the Sportsman is, is 11 and a half inches of, of travel. And in the, in the front, rear is 14 inches of travel, which is a ton of travel. I mean, <laughs> and high end shocks, of course, that in kicks you up to 14 and a half inches of ground clearance as opposed to like, I think the sportsman, the XP series, what comes in at like 11 and a quarter or 11 and a half. I don't recall exactly of ground clearance. Right. And you know, I think the towing capacity on both is probably the same as it would be on the 48 inch wide. Right. Right. <clears throat> but, it, but here's where we're at. What do we think on the sportsman side of it? What do we think? Uh, it's everybody crazy. Got, every, it, it's, everybody it, got super quiet there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would say from a trail machine, now having just written an incredibly large amount of uh, basic trail um, overviews for a company, uh, it is hard to find areas to ride ATVs um, that are over 50 inches. Uh, yeah. So when you think about it, most of OHV areas are narrowed into 50 inches. And I mean, there are states that don't even have places you can drive a uh, an ATV, much less a 55-inch ATV. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the only hang for me. Now, if you look at their photos and their location stuff, they got it, you know, uh, hauling a trailer. They got it uh, uh, doing all kinds of other great stuff. Uh, and the trails that they have the photos of are really wide. Uh, yeah. So you kind of you kind of wonder: Are they just building a West Coast machine or, or a middle of the road machine? Are you looking? You know, are they segmenting again to the people who have the big ranch roads and things to ride on? I mean, it's pretty obvious. Fifty-five inches wide, even here in Georgia, unless you go to a private ride area, it's going to be tough to find a place to actually ride this thing on a on government property yeah 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 i'm with you i mean i, I based off of uh, just like you said all their the photography and that kind of stuff i mean this definitely feels like a west coast you know open area riding machine where uh i mean basically a 72 inch you know turbo s is is kind of the the norm out here um at this sure. point or 64 you know and that stuff so if they're trying to uh you know make an atv that can handle that um, you know, great, but at the same time, I look at it and I say, uh, you know, I've seen maybe one scrambler out here in the desert. Um, yeah. You know, like it's not, there's one factory team racing in the Best in the Desert series. I mean, this is not something that's common out here, you know, and stuff. Sure. I mean, people are going to look at this and say, okay, it's 15000 or 14999 so it's $15,000. You know, I can buy a we were talking about earlier, I can buy a used razor or I can buy a new razor for, um, you know, what, uh, XP 1000 is, I didn't look at the price for 2020, but last year it was seventeen nine ninety nine, So it's $3,000 sure. more and I can haul another person. So I don't know. Uh, or, or a 60 inch, just a 60 inch razor S yeah. you can have for fourteen nine ninety nine. There sure. you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, and maybe so. we're overthinking it. Maybe they're they're segmenting for a reason, and and that's fine. I mean, because you can still buy Sportsman One Thousand, uh, the Sportsman XP One Thousand yeah. is still yeah. a vehicle that's available, uh, and that's fine. But you know, if you if you got the whole east coast of the United States that might really want this machine, but they have no place to ride it. Now that's not going to deter them from buying it because my dealer, I see stuff <laughs> go out of my dealership. Uh, uh, the dealership I use over here in Gainesville, not mine. I, I kind of wish it was mine. But um, that, that I'm like, where in the world? Thank God they bought it from Jimmy, but where are you going to ride that thing? I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's it's a it's a just another way of a, tackling a niche uh, uh, in the industry. I mean, because you can still get a regular sportsman that's fifty point seven in seven five inches wide. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'd love to. I love the look, but it doesn't seem very practical for me yeah. over here. And and that's what I was just going to mention is is I love the look. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's a neat. It, I mean, it looks bad to the bone. You know, like it's ready to tackle anything. You know, with right. the, with big clearance and that kind of stuff. Um, so right. that's a. I mean, hey, I guess personally speaking, that's a that's a big positive. You know, on it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had a blast. I mean, Josh had a, uh, a Sportsman XP1000 um, a couple years ago that we were testing out and doing some video stuff on. And, I mean, it it, it was a great machine um, from there. So I'm sure that the the handling and the power and everything, it's only enhanced, um, you know, being that sure. it is this new machine. So that should be, no doubt it should be fun to ride, put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll weigh in on this one. Um I don't think it makes any sense at all. <laughs> right. I think okay. I, I like, I really don't particularly a sportsman because yeah, the pictures are cool and, and yeah, obviously we need to, we need to ride it. But when you think about like a sportsman and what people buy a sportsman for and they're, and I love the fact they're marketing it as though ranchers are going to go out and ranchers are going to buy a 55-inch wide ATV, which right. they're not going to. No. I mean, that that's comical to me. Um, and in fact, you know, most ranchers aren't going to buy 1,000 anyway. That That's really the bottom line. Yeah, um, if you're running a real ranch, yeah. you, you are pinching the pennies unless you just are birthed into uh, incredible amounts of money. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. right. you're looking for... How much can I use it, and can I drive it out to the back forty yeah. every once in a while? Because nobody cares that it goes seventy miles an hour or whatever. Sure, like that's they that's totally unnecessary. And so, like from a sportsman perspective, I don't get it. I flat out just don't get it. I I will be curious to see how many they sell. I could be totally wrong, and I will be the first to admit it. But people who buy a sportsman for a utility ATV want something that fits in the traditional space, width-wise, and overall weight of a yep. utility ATV. And this yep. thing weighs like, what was it, Casey? I was waiting something for like you to, to go in there. Yeah, eight hundred pounds. No, it's the sportsman. No, it was, the sportsman is nine hundred and seventy pounds dry. Yeah. So by let's just call it for what it is—a half ton—and. Yeah. Which means, you know, and people throw them in the back of their pickup. I mean, that's part of the point of an ATV. You put it in the back of your pickup. Sure. And you could still do it with this because you can drive over the wheel wells. 
But for years, the point of keeping it in that 48-inch width is that you can drive it in between the wheel wells. Sure. And, like, I'm all for reinventing standards. But this one just has me scratching my head in the way it's marketed. Now, when you go to the Scrambler, the Scrambler I get. Because the Scrambler is going to be someone who buys an ATV that wants a sport factor to it. So long travel, I get that. Put it on a track, totally get that. 55 inches, you're going to have a serious advantage. Um, and everything else, you know, is on the Scrambler, it's set up to be a premium vehicle. It still costs you $15,000, but I get that. Um, but the Sportsman, yeah, I'm, I would... I would really like to see how that's going to play in the marketplace. And right. who knows? Maybe maybe Polaris is looking to sell a thousand of them over the course of a year. And it really is a totally niche product. I don't know. But actually, I'm with you, Casey. I In all the trail riding that I get to do, I don't ever see a scrambler out there. So I've seen them in the Mud Nationals. Not, not many of them, but some of them. Yeah. And so they just don't. And when you go to a dealer, our dealers, I don't see, I rarely see them have a scrambler come to think of it. So, you know, I, I, I think it's an absolutely a, a niche product. Uh, yeah. And it's right. interesting, though. I mean, I'll give it, it's interesting. I'd like to ride it just to see. But if I had a choice between like a Sportsman XP1000 and a Sportsman XP1000S, I'll choose the regular 1000 all day long, every day. Sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Scrambler is, is not exactly a, um, you know, a common vehicle out on the West Coast, you know, and stuff, going to all the riding areas and stuff. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, like we said, that it would it probably is a blast to ride. Um, so that's that's really what it's got, um, you know, going for it. And um, we'll see how they sell. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it sounds we'll like we're not, we actually... we're not too enthused. But at the same time, um, you know, hey, there well, there will be the odd person that uh, that yeah. wants it. But you know, um, yeah, it'll be definitely uh, it'll be interesting. I, I'm. Uh, personally, I'm still more of a sport quad guy, so like I, I would gravitate towards that anyways. And they're still, they're not half the price, but they're almost half the price, um, you know, for it. So I don't know. Um, double the horsepower sounds good, but uh, not double the weight. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, it's over over twice the weight um, for one of these. So yeah. Can you imagine that thing chasing you down the trail if you were to have a get off? <laughs> that is the first thing I thought of when I saw 970, and I'm going, man, this is not. It's going to sound like Bigfoot coming no, down today. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I mean, oh, my Damn, God. Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we could get on to the thumbs up or thumbs down on the Sportsman sure. and the Scrambler. I'm going to do something interesting. I'm going to call out both. So the Sportsman, I'm going to give the thumbs down, and the Scrambler. And in for what it's designed to do, I'll give it a thumbs up. But I will sure. make a prediction. Here's my prediction. The only photo of the Sportsman XP1000S towing a trailer on a ranch is the one taken by the marketing department. That's the only one that will ever be photographed doing that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to second so, that too. So, so yeah. thumbs up, thumbs down for you guys on the sportsman and the scrambler. I'm in the same place with the sportsman. I don't I don't think it's uh 
I think they have moved themselves with this model. There are other models of sportsmen, obviously, that work well with ranching and, and working and stuff. I don't ever see anybody putting a trailer behind it. I don't ever see a, a, <laughs> a true rancher that's not just out there in his in his uh, sponsored dicky jeans and his cool little hat throwing a bale of hay against a barn. I, I don't see a, a real working ranch using a machine like this uh, for work. I think it is it is essentially the um, the Grizzly 700 of the industry. It's the performance. It's more sport than it is utility. And um, I, although it will serve the the market that provides space for guys that like to go fast but like to possibly tow or carry something on their racks, I think people will buy it for that. But as a usable vehicle, uh, I don't see that happening. Now the Scrambler, I think it'll make a lot of people happy that live uh, that have beautiful roads that are wide enough for it to ride on. Uh, I think the scrambler would provide some serious excitement. You know, both of them are going to give you are going to give you uh, uh, enough excitement to validate the price point. But there'll be a specific segment of consumer that'll actually buy those. The sportsman, as far as thumbs up or thumbs down, it's a middle of the road thing for me. Yes, it, it essentially on paper has utility capabilities, but it'll probably never be used for that. Uh, the Scrambler, I, I'm with you. I think it's a thumbs up. I think a little bit wider. It'll it'll uh, be more tuned to the people who ride Texas and Utah and California and places where the trails are a lot wider. That's my that's my uh, statement, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'm with I'm with you, Rick. I think um, uh, or yeah, I mean both of you. I, I agree with you on your assessments there. I mean I. Yeah, the sportsman's going to be a middle of the road for me. Um, I mean, I, I love the fact that it's it's got a lot of power. It's going to be a lot of fun, um, you know, and, and also give you that utility capability as well. So if you're, you know, if, if you don't care about the price tag and you want the ultimate machine, then then awesome. I mean, the Sportsman XP1000S is going to be great for you. Um, but, you know, the as far as the weight and um, just the... Yeah, the width and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, I think for me, the, the weight is what really um, sets me back. I mean, it's just, I, yeah, and maybe because it's like the fact that I grew up on sport quads and, and I like lighter, um, you know, vehicles and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a middle of the road, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Um, and right. the Scrambler. I think would absolutely be a blast out here, um, you know, on the West Coast or in the mountains. Um, you know, we just got back from from Colorado and and uh, some beautiful mountain trails and, and open roads and stuff. And um, the Scrambler would probably be a blast up there with that suspension travel. Um, again, you know, yes, it has some demerits in the weight and stuff, but um, yeah, it would probably be a blast um, to ride up there. So here's to uh, hopefully riding that in the future. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the really the final bigger news would be on the Ranger 1000 and the Ranger 1000 crew. And we just so happen to have what is now we will call him an in-house expert oh. on the on these things because because Rick, you had the opportunity to actually lay hands on it and ride it. But, sure, uh, absolutely, yeah. Did you get to tow anything with it? You know, they had a trailer set up uh, it was kind of a blur. 
uh, <laughs> when we talk about how much we got to ride, let, let's uh, uh, solidify okay. that with a few facts, being that uh, we did tour the uh, Wyoming-Minnesota facility first. Uh, we did get out before lunch. Uh, we went on a couple of uh, guided rides, and then we were turned loose, uh, basically after lunch, turned loose to uh, ride up until four o'clock so um somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half to four hours experience and you know you guys know how this goes it's a lot of i mean the first goal we all have is to get the proper images that we need for the people that we're working for and uh so it really kind of takes away from just burning laps um i will say that 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 uh you know i've driven each and every version of the ranger 1000 uh, and dude, the first thing I noticed is is how legendarily quiet this thing is. It is very quiet. Wow. Like yeah. all the rangers, impressive. very yeah. quiet. Yeah. So you know, obviously, you start out with a. Uh, they've got to start an MSRP at twelve nine ninety nine, and and there's only three trim levels in the Ranger uh, one thousand line. Uh, there's a base Ranger one thousand, then you have the EPS model, uh, and then you have a premium model, and and all offer uh different colors and um you know different features but when you look at the difference between the ranger 1000 uh, and the ranger premium basically the differences are uh, a 25 inch steel wheel uh, on a spec tire on the base model um and then a uh where you go, you get a 26-inch wheel or your 26-inch tire uh, with a uh, fancy custom wheel on the premium, uh, and then the bumper, uh, the bumper base has a um, is on the Ranger 1000 base model, but then on the premium you get the extended ears. There's like uh, some inch and a half tubing that comes out. Uh, it's basically more fender protection under the headlights there. Um, and I think there's a, uh, uh, the seating is different. The seating in the base, uh, as well as the EPS, is um, a little less uh, plush. I think uh, they add, uh, according to Polaris, it's 25% more padding in the premium seats, plus you get a slider in the, in the premium seat for the driver's side. So there's not a ton of difference, um, you know, wheels and a couple of things on the interior and then the bumper between the premium and the, and the base model. Uh, they do go up $1,000 a piece, um, you know, from $12.99, $13.99, $14.99. Uh, and also they're offering this year uh, for their power steering model, which I never realized they didn't offer camo in the power steering model. Uh, evidently they did not but they're offering their middle of the road you get the the camo uh plastics uh the polaris pursuit camo uh on their middle of the road eps model so um yeah it's a uh, uh, no ps no no power steering to power steering to premium simple to install uh you got it you got an engine deal you know the new ranger 1000 um the big deal for that particular model is they've uh, they've changed the engine uh, top end uh, from the oil plug in the in the pan of the engine to the surface that the head mounts on. The 1000 engine is exactly the same as your XP 1000 engine. In terms of the head, you now have a single overhead overhead cam 
So we're not 100% sure. Obviously, they did that to make this fit their format for the Ranger, just like we were talking about all the other units. Every Everything they build seems to have a specific uh, niche or segment that they're trying to capture. Uh, they want this vehicle to be focused not only a good price point machine, but they want it to be focused more on um, a little harder working. So they've moved the uh, peak torque down three thousand rpm i do believe in the rpm range so you get more of your power in the mid to low my question is always to be kind of devil's advocate you know they did they remove a cam and develop a story around where they want this niche to be uh, because they're trying to get the price of the machine down Uh, or is it really focused on this working guy i mean the thing will tow 2500 pounds now uh, and i did confirm as well you know you had 2,000 pounds is a lot of weight to pull behind one of these machines. Yeah, it is. Uh, And you have four-wheel disc brakes, which is great. But my first question was, how did you upgrade your braking system? And they said, well, it has the XP1000 brakes. Well, it really wasn't deep enough for me. So my next question was, well, (laughs) how much of an improvement did you make on the... Because the XP1000 will tow 2,000 pounds. And I'm like, well, how much more... How much of an improvement did you make on the XP-1000 braking system for it to handle an extra 500 pounds? And they said, well, we, we did upgrade that. So they pretty much clarified that they, they did their homework on the braking system in order to handle an extra 500 pounds. Uh, it's easy for us, for us to make those statements in our story about, oh, it'll tow this or it'll tow that. But man, when you get to trying to stop this stuff, yeah. um, you know, your, your tow hitch is low. That's a lot of weight. And, you know, we all know that stopping weight can essentially lift the rear of the machine if it's not positioned correctly uh, and create issues. But it seems like Polaris has uh, they've cornered the the uh, the problems and, and addressed them all. So, um, long story longer, I didn't have a chance to pull the trailer. We we just didn't get a chance to uh, uh, to get that far uh, with our attempts of getting photos in each of the different colors and stuff and. Uh, so it, it uh, that remains to be seen how that really feels. And and on and, and they only had a trailer utility trailer which probably weighed six or seven hundred pounds, and then they had some wood in it which was only realistically a few hundred pounds of wood. So it wouldn't have been a true test, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know on flat like, ground. What? Yeah, on flat ground. Exactly. On flat ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're driving around in a pasture, so. It's, you know, it wasn't wasn't really an opportunity to test it anyway. Um, overall, I mean, the machine it, it handles well. It turns. I, I want to say they're they're turning at eight percent steeper now. So I mean, it really does feel like you can turn this thing around. I mean, circle a tree. Uh, it does it does turn well in the woods. And they had a lot of switchbacks in the woods that were literally parallel to each other. You basically went out to the edge of a tree turned around and come right back alongside that same tree uh, so they really didn't make a, 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 the turning is great uh, I thought it was really really good so uh, and obviously it's comfortable even in the base model the base model is comfortable you do feel the, the plushness in the in the premium model um, but you know if like I said if you're a real rancher and you're looking for bargains unfortunately we don't think about comfort too much when we're when we're when money is involved um 
is is the 25% more padding worth the extra two grand? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, for me, if I was a frugal dude on a farm trying to save money and raise chickens or something, I'd be like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this base model, and I'm gonna watch the friggin' auction houses and the friggin' parts plate uh, eBay or something else, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy me some plush seats as soon as somebody crashes their machine. So. <laughs> I figured you were going to go with duct tape and some foam. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you know, you engineer it the way you need it to work. So, uh, um. <laughs> actually, what I'm hearing through all of this is that when you get one of these, we need to make sure that we, you get one of these, and I'll buy you some chickens. There you go. Hey, <laughs> I don't think the HOA is going to be happy, even though I'm not a member. I'm grandfathered in because my house was here before the HOA. Uh-huh. But, but I could probably tease them. I could probably uh, set up a, a small uh, fence in the front yard and just put the chickens in it to see uh, which one of my neighbors is a complete sellout. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're awesome. I'm trying to figure out kind of where this sits in the lineup. But as far as the Rangers go that we know so far, the Ranger 1000 is the only new vehicle. All the 900s have gone away. That's there is no such thing as a Ranger 900 anymore. Right for 2020, they will not have a Ranger 900. Uh, and it, on a comical note, maybe they just run out of 900 motors and they don't want to make anymore. Yes, yes. Uh, but this Ranger <laughs> 1000 is a, is basically an all new vehicle. I mean, the frame's a little different, the interior's different. You get, uh, I think it was like uh, five more inches of egress getting in and out of the machine. Is that trickle down from the XP 1000? Uh, does the interior look the same as the XP 1000? You know, that's a great point. And, 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 and only by comparing side by side images would I be able to, uh, okay. would I be able to tell, uh, I was under the impression that this was all Ranger 1000, that all okay. of this was, uh, new and individualized for this machine. Um, I could be a little bit off base there, but, uh, you would think if they're adding space, that they would that they would make that you know across the board because I mean it's the Ranger line that that's something that anybody that owns a Ranger whether it's the twelve thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollar version or the twenty five thousand dollar North Star or whatever you, they would want that extra space so I would have to compare specs to see if that would if that was actually uh, um, the case you know, yeah if, if that egress transfer but I, I would say it would I mean. Um, I would think, just from our experience with Polaris, I would think it would, right, but I don't yeah. know it as a fact. And and sometimes, right. you know, they'll say, hey, we we took a lot of the improvements from last year that we added to the XP1000 Ranger version, and that's now available in the, in the, this version. Um, right. So, right. so clearly they didn't actually say that, but no. they're, they did focus, I mean, that You've got a 61 horsepower engine. The XP 1000, I believe, is 82. And I, I don't remember if that's dual overhead cam or not. I think it is. I mean, right? It is. Yep, yep. The large, the larger motor is definitely uh, the, the the Ranger is a dual overhead cam engine. Yeah. It's a it's a Pro Star dual overhead cam. And I hear a lot of people complaining about the drop in horsepower. I feel like it works great. It's got a lot of power. Uh, I love the. A lot of people don't like turf mode, and, and all the guys that don't like turf mode are the ones that are jumping 15-foot wide ditches that are 40-foot deep and, and expecting a utility vehicle like this Ranger to actually handle it. 
um, turf mode works well for me. That's interesting because as far as just being around the house, doing what actually where I live, when I have a utility side by side, I use it for what a utility side by side is built for. Sure. And I have it in turf mode all the time, whether yeah. it be a Can Am um, or the or the Ranger uh, Mule Pro. I always run it. I even run it in full wheel drive with the back end unlocked. Sure. Because because you don't tear up the ground so much, especially sure. in areas you don't want to. So that's what that's for. You don't Nobody take a range. Gets it. People yeah. don't get it. They don't get yeah. it because they don't use it for that. Well, and, yeah. and even. I would sorry. I was just gonna say, even going off of you and and having a, a concrete garage, you know, I mean, I would use it in the same way, just because, like you said, it turns better and it doesn't tear, doesn't squeak or you know, doesn't put, I guess, um, uh, strain the on the drivetrain too. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it just makes it makes sense, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the like with the horsepower thing or with the vehicle in general. You don't buy a Ranger One Thousand to race a Ranger One Thousand, right? <laughs> And you don't buy it to jump things. If you want to do that, then things have gone horribly awry in your in your driving style. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, so for what it's built for, I mean, how many, it's built for utility and how many actual people that use it for utility take it out in the middle of a field and race something? Right. Yep. They don't. I mean, if it's got the power to tow 2,500 pounds, it's irrelevant whether it goes 70 miles an hour. If you're towing a trailer... In a Ranger that weighs twenty five hundred pounds, and you're going seventy yeah. miles an hour, and you try to stop, yeah, they don't make problem. brakes big enough to to solve that problem. Yeah, so it's just a matter of of the people that actually use them day in and day out. You don't need the high 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 horsepower to do a bunch of utility stuff. Sure. Yep. It's just a matter of of people looking on paper and and not using it for what it's intended for. Right. Yeah, some people get lonely at home and they want to make snide yeah. comments so that they can get people angry yeah. that'll talk to them about it. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just the way yeah. it goes most of the time. Hey, I got curious yeah. one time. I took an XP 1000 Ranger to the dunes and uh, had a great old time. But, you know. Yeah. I remember hey. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. We should do that. Rick, we should do that. We should yeah. join him. I'll take a Can-Am. I'll do a Defender. Okay. No problem. Um <laughs> <laughs> let's see let's see what happens when we try to climb those dunes. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, Gosh, I... it it takes some finesse, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> to get it through the dunes, but it will get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Better late than never. Yeah, I mean, the, we can hook a trailer point. to it and really test it if you want, but you Yeah. Know. It, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't believe how many people would would I mean, they'll complain because everything's not the fastest thing on the market and everything's not, you know, the greatest this or that. It blows me away that people make those kinds of statements. If they only knew how silly they sounded, you know, I mean, I see people, I can understand uh, uh, a pure sport side by side uh, being broken, but then even when somebody is able to destroy, um, the transmission or gearbox or CV axle or whatever, they get online wanting to know what the toughest, what what's the what's the best axle I can buy, um, and then they're able to break it, and, and they don't understand. Well, oh man, everything I buy is junk. No, you're the idiot behind the gas. <laughs> yes, 
Yeah. If you learn how to finesse your vehicle, I mean, you, you see racers that'll go out and they'll build, you know, a, a $70,000 race machine and they'll race it all season and never have more than a flat or maybe one broken axle or something. But you take a freaking stock vehicle and in 15 minutes you've completely destroyed it. <laughs> uh, it's a driver problem. Yeah. It's, it's not a freaking maybe product s- problem. Maybe someone somewhere should have said, maybe it's me. exactly yeah they should sell mirrors like handheld pocket mirrors with every one of these things like when you sit down in this vehicle take a good look in that mirror because not only are you going to be the one paying for it but you're the idiot that broke it and uh i I don't i don't uh i don't know man i I don't understand a lot about this world and i'm glad that i don't have to have to you know yeah um you can break anything and, and trust me, everybody asks the same. I get this question all the time. What's the best belt that I can buy for my vehicle? Well, the factories have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, developing the belt that's in your vehicle. I would think they pretty much have it dialed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's proven over time that you cannot beat an OEM belt. Yeah. Yet people just want somebody to say, yeah, go out here and buy this one. Yeah, go out there and buy that one. And let me tell you, if I owned an aftermarket CVT belt company, I'd be like, ours is the best, pal. <laughs> buy them. I'll sell you two of them. <laughs> but the same Rick tested and Rick approved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Okay. The only other thing that caught my attention, the rest of the Ranger lineup is essentially the same. As of right now, the only other right. one that caught my attention was, and being that I'm the resident Texan, I'll speak to this, is they have come out with the Texas edition. And it comes with two-tone seats, 27-inch tires. And the one thing that did catch my attention, and this is, now this is an XB1000 model, okay. both in a, like a two-seat, or excuse me, a three-seat version and the crew version. Of the XP 1000. But they do come with self, essentially self-leveling shocks in the rear end. Sure. And that to, that to me is kind of cool. Like that is, a, that is a feature that would be nice to have. So you sure, retain your, your ground clearance. But yeah. those, are, those are your basic changes as far, it comes with a winch too. So really and truly, it's very competitive and right on. With the Can-Am Defender Texas edition, which Can-Am only offers that in the crew version. They don't offer it in the the (laughs) three-sheet. Yeah, seriously. So, uh, And the Lone Star edition, which is the Can-Am version, it's a great machine. I I had one for a year. I absolutely loved it. I can't speak more highly of that thing overall. So, But, hey, I'm glad to see the name Texas on more machines. Right, I, you know. Right, so, I think so I'm Texas totally should be getting it. a kickback, though. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they particularly, should. Particularly, particularly this Texan should be getting a kickback. Right, <laughs> oh. that's right. <laughs> oh man, I mean, it, it's it's becoming overused, right? I mean, yeah, everybody's doing really the is. Texas and the Lone Star, and it's like, okay, I understand Polaris does a lot for trail systems. They 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 silently uh, when when you look at. Uh, companies that are involved in in uh, uh, supporting OHV trail stuff. Polaris is a little more quiet about their stuff, but then you got Yamaha, who really, uh, I mean, I think they dedicated like five hundred thousand uh, dollars this year alone to OHV trail restoration. 
uh, or maintenance. Um, and, and Polaris does some of the same stuff. They just don't talk about it a whole lot. But uh, you would think if you're going to be able to call your, and they may, if you're going to be able to use the, the state name in your, in your marketing program, then the state trail system should be getting some type of kickback. I'm uh, thinking so. At the so. very least. I mean, and, who, uh, who doesn't need a small percentage? Sure. You know, pretty much all the manufacturers now have a Rance edition of some kind. And, yeah. it, and, and it's funny because it's always two-tone seats. with right. an, <laughs> Two-tone seats, generally speaking, a winch. Right. Um, maybe a roof to it. And, yep. and there you go, you know. Which is, hey, good stuff. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. To wrap it up, thumbs up, thumbs down, Ranger 1000 and 1000 Crew. I'm, I'm going to throw out, I, I give it a thumbs up. At the end of the day, if, if the price point, especially considering the price point is what it is, with the benefits that Ranger really does have, they have a lot of, from the quiet factor to just the overall performance, the way it rides is pretty comfortable, as I recall, in all my experience with them. I mean, it's a good, it's a good UTV. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Who's yeah, next? I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I, Yours is the only me. one that matters because you drove it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's. Uh, I think you know. Any time that you can look, we 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 all know these things have gotten insanely priced. You know, and the guy that really needs it can't afford it. And when you have companies, yeah, yeah, they've reduced the the products that are on it, or 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 some of the features and stuff uh, to bring the price down. Um, but, you know, there's people out there who want to ride, and all these companies talk about how can we get more people in the seat. Well, don't make it so freaking expensive. I mean, my wife's car was sixteen dollars or $17,000, and then you ask the same amount for a freaking vehicle to drive off-road every once in a while. I mean, I think it's a great thing. I mean, if you have to pull a cam and all that's in, entailed with doing that out of a motor to reduce the price by two or $3,000, man, go for it. Because my personal feeling is, um, it has enough power, you know, it for for a utility vehicle. Um, if it will legitimately tow what they claim it will tow, and it'll stop it, and it and it's reliable, uh, you know, the price is great. You can't beat it. You're getting people in the seats, uh, and that's what I feel like our industry needs to do these days: is get more affordable vehicles so people can ride. Um, you know, so so it's a it's a it's a thumbs up for me, and and I'm sure I haven't driven the Ranger Crew. They didn't have one for us to drive, but uh, I'd say it's probably uh, it's probably just as good. Um, you know, it, it is sufficient for the price point. Uh, I was fairly impressed with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I mean, I think uh, based <laughs> off the price and everything, I mean. Just, you know, Rick, you said it uh, eloquently right there. I mean, getting more people, um, you know, in these seats and, and putting it at a price point where, you know, I can kind of, if I'm a ranch, um, you know, owner and stuff and, and I'm making a living doing this, then I can make that $12,000 back or $13,000 back um, a lot faster than I can make, um, you know, 18 or 20 or whatever $1,000 back, you know. So, um, right. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely giving it a thumbs up and I really hope that people – Take a look at it, and uh, just like you said, realize that well, even with a, a couple less features, it's still just a um, it's a very capable vehicle that'll that'll help you get get the job done. So, yep. thumbs up. All right. 
Well, I think we've covered the majority of the Polaris models, and especially all the new ones or the ones that have been significantly changed. For more information, we have all the stuff on our website at atvescape.com, and we'll throw it up on the show notes at throttleonpodcast.com. Trying to think, what have we not covered? I think we've pretty much covered it all. Yeah, I think we got it. I think we got it. So we'll be back in the next couple of weeks with another episode. We really appreciate you listening. I'm Josh Arnold. And I'm Casey Cordero. And I'm Rick Sosby. And this is the Throttle On Podcast.